invite you to join with me in your pew Bibles to page 1,893, 1,893, where we find our scripture reading for tonight, 2 Peter chapter 1, the first four verses. 2 Peter chapter 1, the first four verses. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Thus far the reading of God's word. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of the Lord stands forever. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may you bless this time that we have together tonight. May you help us to see in it uh, the key to living the Christian life. May you help us to see that all is of your grace that all we must do is open our hands to receive, and that you will empower us and strengthen us in Christ, that we must receive all that we need for the Christian life in and through Christ. And may you help us to see this tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're also uh, going to be sort of looking at Lord's Day 20 in the Heidelberg Catechism. It's in the back of your Green Salter Hymnals on page 27. And if we could uh, read the answer together in unison, we can do that. Lord's Day 20. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, He, as well as the Father and the Son, is eternal God. Second, He has been given to me personally, so that, by true faith, He makes me share in Christ and all His blessings, comforts me, and remains with me forever. And we're all familiar with, um, I hope... Uh, the analogy that Jesus gives in the Gospel of John, the vine and the branches. Now, when, uh, when Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches, um, he's talking about um, the vineyard. It would have been a very familiar image to him. And uh, if you've ever been to a vineyard, they have these sort of... Uh, fenced, netted things, and uh, what happens is the vine grows down from these uh, fenced, netted things, and then the branches are what comes off of that vine. 
It kind of looks like I'm, I'm drawing roots that go down into the ground, but you know what I'm doing. And uh, this vine is what carries the nutrients to these branches, and these branches is where, don't those look like beautiful grapes? <laughs> these grapes would grow, right? Um, but we don't often talk about, when we talk about the vine and the branches, is um, where does the Holy Spirit fit into this analogy? The vine and the branches, okay? And um, the way that I would look at the Holy Spirit and the analogy of the vine and the branches would be the sap. It's the nutrients. It's what connects the vine and the branches uh, together. It's what allows the vine to bring nutrients to the branches, okay? And, and Daniel uh, Bourget, in his book, Becoming a Disciple, writes about the importance of this connection. He says, The strong bond that unites the vine and the branches has to do with the sap that flows through them. Jesus does not here use the word sap, but nonetheless gives a lengthy excursus on love in a way suggestive of the sap and the vine. This is because he speaks of the love flowing in just one direction, from Christ towards the disciples, not in the reverse direction. Just as the sap flows from the vine into the branches, and not the other way around. It doesn't go from the branches to the vine. The whole picture is centered on the love that flows and gives life like the sap in a plant. This way of speaking about love invites the disciple to understand that we receive before we give. That we are not the origin of the love. And that we are loved before we love. It is an invitation to learn something the disciple often has trouble putting it into practice. To allow ourselves first to be loved by Christ before attempting to ourselves love. Allowing oneself to be loved by Christ, to be loved by God through Christ, is opening oneself to this love. Just as the branch opens to the sap it receives from the vine and which gives it life. How easy this is for the branch and how difficult it is for us. We have so much trouble accepting being loved by Christ, welcoming, welcoming this love that Christ lavishes upon us and which gives us life. You know, Peter is speaking about the same thing here in the opening of his letter. The same thing that Jesus spoke about in the vine and the branches. Um, he wants to open his letter drilling home the reality that the Christian life is a life of receiving. And the way that we can receive what's Christ's is just what Lord's Day 20 tells us. Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us and the Holy Spirit indwells us. What does the catechism say? It says... We understand that just as the Father and the Son are God, so the Holy Spirit is eternal God. But second, he has been given to me personally so that by true faith, he makes me share in Christ. And all his blessings, all his benefits, share in Christ and all his blessings. So let's talk about that. Tonight, our theme statement is the life of faith in Christ. is a receiving 
of blessings from Christ. And if I wanted to make sure that you understood how it is that we're receiving these blessings from Christ, I would add to this already pretty long uh, theme statement uh, by the Holy Spirit or via the Holy Spirit. Via the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, We've got four points tonight. And uh, the points, each point is basically... The, um, the statement that those verses are communicating, okay? <laughs> Through the righteousness of Christ, receive a precious faith. Second point, through the knowledge of Christ, receive abundant grace and peace. Third point. Through the knowledge of Christ, receive divine power for a godly life. And lastly, through the promises. Of Christ, receive participation in the divine nature. By far the longest points I've ever written, okay? (laughs) But I had to put it this way because I think it just <laughs> drives home what, what Peter is communicating to me, to us. Now, when I read this passage, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, one of the things that stood out to me was that um, participle, through, okay? Uh, listen to it again. Um, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's a lot of throughs, right? That's a lot of throughs. 
And so maybe you are wondering, Carrie, how are you going to connect the Holy Spirit to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, when no mention of the Holy Spirit is in this passage? Well, here's your key, okay? Whenever this passage says through, it equals Holy Spirit. All right? It equals Holy Spirit. Whenever this passage says through, it equals the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that we're looking at here in verse 1 is Peter's opening of his letter. Um, he addresses that this is him, Simon Peter. He says, I'm a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He doesn't mention who he's writing to, but later on in this letter, he says, the, the letter I previously wrote to you. So if we uh, understand that Peter is writing to the same people that he wrote in First Peter, that's, there's a reason why he doesn't say to these people who I'm writing to, because they already know who he is. They already know, you know. The reference point is the last letter he wrote to them, okay? Um, so that's sort of just quick introduction stuff there. Um, but in his uh, introduction here, he says, To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Um, so through the righteousness of Christ, um, we have received uh, faith. Now, this is why Ephesians chapter 2 says that faith is a gift. Faith here is, a, is in the passive sense, isn't it? It's saying it's something you receive. It's not saying that it's something that you do in order to receive. You understand what I'm saying there? Peter is telling his audience that you, because of the righteousness, and look at the term he uses here, of our God and Savior... Jesus. So, Lord say 20, first, he as well as the Father and the Son is eternal God. Okay, Peter understands that. Peter believes that. Peter says, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Peter is saying, Jesus Christ is my God and my Savior. Okay? Um, you have received a faith as precious as ours. Um, this is what is meant by that. Christ accomplished work. His completed work. Means sins forgiven. It means righteousness given. And what it means is that when Christ died for our sins, he uh, did not simply make salvation for us possible, but inevitable. It was going to happen. Christ accomplished for us in his righteousness our salvation. And because he did that, we now receive the gift of faith. Through the righteousness of Christ, we have received the precious faith. But Peter says, not only have you received the precious faith, but you received the precious faith um, as the same precious faith that we've received. And so you understand here that Peter is um, expressing his humility and by saying uh, he's a servant, and by saying um, that this, the faith that they have, that his audience has, that he's writing to them, is the same faith that, that he has. It's the same faith that they all have, okay? So that's point number one. 
one aspect of the life of faith in Christ is a receiving of the blessing of faith, the gift of faith from Christ through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Point number two. Through the knowledge of Christ, receive abundant grace and peace. Now, we could look at this and just say, um, verse 2 is just your typical introduction, letter introduction. Your typical greeting, right? Uh, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Um, But we could also understand that what Peter is saying is that the grace and peace... Uh, that he is offering, the grace and peace that he hopes that his audience has comes through, is delivered to us through the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of Christ and of God. Um, When we read through, remember, Holy Spirit. So because we are united to Christ, remember, he's divine, and we are the branches. Because what unites us is that we are both indwelt by the Holy Spirit, all of us. Because of that, we can receive, as one of the blessings, many blessings, grace and peace. Uh, There is a never-ending fountain of grace offered to us in Christ comes to us through the Holy Spirit whenever we need it, whenever we are in need. And we need to ask, God, I need your grace right now. I need more of your grace. I need to sense your grace. I need to feel your grace. There is a never-ending fountain of peace offered to us at all times. Offered to us when we are anxious, when we are lost, when we are stressed. God, please give me the peace that I need in this moment. Lord, that peace that's beyond that's all understanding, the peace that it doesn't come from the world, it comes from Christ. Lord, give that to me. There it is. It's offered to us. So the, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, we have access to a never-ending fountain of grace and peace. This is what I'm going to say then. Don't take that for granted. Drink from it. Take from it whenever you need it. And even when you feel like you don't need it, take from it. Through the knowledge of Christ, receive divine power 
for a godly life. Verse 3 now turns to um, what you would call the body of the letter. Going from the introduction, going from the greeting to the body of the letter. Okay, um, And this is what uh, Peter says. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So um, the ordering that I put this in is a little bit different than the ordering that Peter puts it in. Um, But this is what he's saying. Uh, Through our knowledge of him who called us, Through our knowledge of God. And God is the one who called us by his own glory and goodness. God is the one who orchestrated our election and our calling, okay? Um, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And we could also say Christ called us, right? He says, we have received divine power. And what is the purpose of receiving this divine power? It is so that we would have everything we need for life and godliness. We would have everything we need for life and godliness. Peter is saying, you have been given the gift of knowing God in a personal way through your connection to Jesus Christ. You have been given This gift. And this gift comes with this wonderful reality. That you have divine power. And that divine power has given you all that you need for life and godliness. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus. And one of the most amazing things about Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus is this prayer that he prays to the church in Ephesus. And one of the things that he says in this prayer is that he prays that they would have all that they need, right? And, and this is one of the things he says. He says he prays that they would know that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the power that's in you. And that's what Peter is saying here. Saying the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, the Holy Spirit, that's the same Holy Spirit. He's the same Holy Spirit in you. We have not been left out high and dry. We have not been left as orphans alone. We have been given the promise that he's going to be with us to the very end of the age. We have been given the promise that all that we need for life and for godliness, we have in Jesus Christ. We have. He has given it to us. All we need to do is receive. All we need to do is receive. 
through the knowledge of Christ, received divine power for a godly life. When Peter says, you have all that you need for life and godliness, is he saying, that means that God has promised me a six-figure salary, a house with a, um, a three-car garage, my dream car of a 1964 Ford Mustang, and he has promised me that I will never suffer and have cancer in this life. That's what it means that I have everything I need for life and godliness. No. Peter's saying that God, in the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, by the outpouring and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, has given you everything that you need for the life of faith in Christ. The life of faith that God has called you to. The life of faith in Christ is a receiving of blessings from Christ. When Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he says, you can do nothing apart from me. Abide in me. This is what Jesus is saying. If you want to live the Christian life, if you want to grow in godliness and holiness, if you want... To do this, all you got to do is ask for more. Because God has given you everything you need for this life of faith to grow in godliness. And lastly, Through the promises of Christ, receive participation in the divine nature. Now, I've got to be honest with you, this by far is probably one of the most controversial verses that you could find, what exactly does it mean to uh, participate in the divine nature? Um, at this time, uh, Peter would have even been familiar with the uh, teaching of some of the classics, the Greek philosophers. Um, and many of the Greek philosophers believed that you could uh, reach a, a sort of moral superiority to the point that when you died, you became part of the divine uh, being, the divine essence. Um, many of the philosophies at that time um, believed uh, in sort of this Gnostic idea, teaching, that we are all a spark of the divine and that um, we, what we do in our body doesn't really matter because what's most important is that spark of the divine. And so for Peter to use these words that uh, we participate in the divine nature would have been uh, uh, somewhat uh, controversial even in his moment, even in his time. But he wanted to make sure that we understood um, that this is a, a very real thing that happens because we are, um, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and that we are united to Christ, okay? This is what he says in verse 4. Through these, 
What are these? Right? The divine power and the knowledge of him, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. When you read promises, I always think of the verse that Paul uh, says, that all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Christ. That when we think of receiving blessings from Christ through the power and operation of the Holy Spirit, all that we're receiving are the, the, the answers to the promises of God. You go and you read in the Bible all the things that God promised to his people, and you've got to realize that's a promise to you because you have faith in Jesus Christ. That prom- that's a promise God is going to keep for you. Through the promises of Christ, receive participation in the divine nature. Uh, so Peter says, through these, that is his divine power and the knowledge of him who called us, he's given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, the precious promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Um, when we participate in the divine nature, what we're saying is... Um, we are giving our assent to the fact that we are united to Christ. We don't stop being human um, because we are participating in the divine nature, um, but uh, we become more human. Because what is being communicated by participating in the divine nature is uninhibited fellowship. With God. You see, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and there was no such thing as sin, there was no such thing as thorns, there was no such thing as pain and childbirth, there was no such thing as anguish, there was no such thing as, uh, as brokenness, there was no such thing as cancer, there was no such thing as death. When Adam and Eve were in the garden with God, they had fellowship. You see, one of the shocking realities about Genesis is that when they heard God coming, they were afraid. You know why that's a shock? Because they used to hear God coming before, and they had joy. They had joy in his presence. They were unashamed in his presence. They wanted nothing more than to be in his company, to be around him, to be close to him, to be with him. And sin took that away and made them afraid, made them ashamed. And Peter is saying, in the coming of Christ and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the fact that in true faith in Jesus Christ, we share in Christ and all his blessings. Means the doing away. In part in this life, of the separation that we have from God and his presence 
and the fellowship that we long to have. And then and one day, we will experience, once again, uninhibited fellowship with God. The beautiful words of the book of Revelation that says, and now the dwelling of God will be with his people, is this reality. The promises of Christ, we receive participation in the divine nature, means this, that when we read about the promises that God has given to us, the very great and precious promises, we are reminded that through them, we are reminded that that day is coming, that we experience that now in part, but one day we'll experience that in fullness. That we are now, even in this moment, recipients of that beautiful, wonderful fellowship and communion with God. The life of faith in Christ is receiving of blessings from Christ. He is the vine, we are the branches. The Holy Spirit is the sap. The Holy Spirit is the, um, is the way in which we experience union with Christ and it's the way in which we receive all the blessings from Christ. When we read here in Second Peter, Peter wants us to understand that. He wants us to understand the truths of the Christian faith. He wants us to understand that the life of faith in Christ is not a trying harder and working harder. It's a receiving. It's a realizing that everything's been done, everything's been prepared for, everything's been given to us. It's all there for our taking if we just simply sit back and we say, God, please. I need more faith. Please give it to me. God, please, I need more of your grace and peace. Can I please receive more from you? God, please help me to receive more of your power that I might live a godly life. God, please help me to receive and hear and take in your promises so that I might no, then even in this moment, I participate in communion with you. These are all things that we're called to do, that we can do, that we have the great blessing and privilege of doing. My prayer is that you would receive. You would receive blessings from Christ through the Holy Spirit. You would receive more this week as you live out your life of faith that you would receive all that you stand in need of from Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit, that we have been united to you, that we share in you and uh, in your son Jesus Christ and receive all his blessings. We pray, Lord, that through the Holy Spirit, um, we may be comforted and we may remain, um, we may know that uh, the Holy Spirit remains with us forever and that because of the Holy Spirit, we can receive from you faith, knowledge, grace, peace, 
the divine power we need for a godly life and participation in the divine nature. Uh, and that we may escape the corruption in the world caused by sin and evil. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.